Hello, welcome to Soberish. I'm not going to do that funny thing because I don't feel funny right now. Um, not that it's ever fun. I mean, really, why am I still doing it? I did not want to record this motherfucking episode because I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm pretty sure I'm dead asleep as we speak. Welcome to Soberish, the podcast about being awake, hosted by someone who is dead the fuck asleep as we speak. Um, there's supposed to be an astrologer on this week who I'm a fan of. And we had a bunch of technical difficulties and scheduling difficulties. And now I know why, because I am being forced to tell you about my flailings instead of having a cool conversation about 12th house placements. So here it goes. Um, when I talk about being asleep versus awake, I know we throw this around a lot. Awake just means you know this isn't real. That's it. It's just you know that this is a matrix. It's a game. It's something. It's a dream. It's something we don't fully understand yet, and it's not real. That's awake. Asleep is when you are convinced that reality is real. Now, you have gradient of that. Obviously, you have people who are a little bit awake, who are open to being uh, to the idea. You have people that are balls out woo. You have people that believe themselves to be galactic cats. And then within every one of those experiences, you have a tendency to fall asleep. Every time you believe your reality is real, you are asleep. But it's not a value judgment. It's not, you know, it's a, most of my readings are people who are like, I'm stuck. And I'm like, we're almost never stuck. We're moving to a rough patch. We're, you know, not getting things as fast as we want. Um, in this particular situation, I'm asleep. I'm having an experience that's probably not real. It's probably not based in reality, and I'm probably projecting on people right now. So I'm just going to tell on myself, because this is the only way I know how to get the fuck out of anything. I'm pretty sure I figured it out like an hour ago. I'm like, oh shit, I'm asleep. God damn it. Fuck, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. So um, I want to clarify what the matrix is real quick. And this has been coming in very clear for me. I'm sure this is going to be so echoey, by the way. This new house doesn't have enough stuff in it yet. So, And if you know me, you know it probably never will. But um, the matrix is, we talk about the matrix like it's bad or it's evil or whatever. But the matrix itself is just some sort of holographic video game. That I don't fully understand. It, it becomes more clear every day. But the matrix is a game. That you are actually controlling. You are controlling your ex entire experience with the matrix. Now that said. You are programmed. To project certain things. You are programmed to create certain experiences within the matrix. That's not victim blaming. It's just we're not taught from childhood that something in your mind creates the reality that you experience. It's coming, it's feedback to you at like a hologram. And everything that you experience is part of that. And whether or not there's a conspiracy, powers that be, Anunnaki, reptilians, the 1%, I don't know, maybe. I think I like that narrative sometimes. 
at some point we were programmed to believe that the, the, the reality that we are experiencing, the whole point of it is survival. And so we've just been manifesting an attempt at survival in some shitty fucking hamster wheel our whole life. So the process of waking up is the process of jailbreaking your mind from, we say from the matrix, but in reality you came here to play the matrix from the programming that makes you create a reality that sucks is more accurate. So hacking abundance isn't really like abundance needs to be hacked. It's hacking your own programming. The real privilege, not that there isn't a bunch of other privilege, but the real privilege to peop for people who were raised rich and life was easy was that they were programmed that that's how the world works. So they just manifest it. That's why it seems like these people just like they keep life keeps getting better for them because they just keep creating what they already know. And then we, these powerful gods, while we are on a hamster wheel, we're also helping them create it. Does that make sense? So the matrix is a game. We we call the matrix like it's something difficult, but once we figure out how the game works, we can start to make the matrix work for us. These are all, I guess, things that I knew, but they've been pretty intense downloads lately. However, the matrix is, in, is a, an immersive, full consciousness, body, everything experience. Think of a VR, a VR game where you get to physically feel the body and experience every moment of that game. It's visceral, it's intense, and it feels real. And then on top of it, we use the matrix to play out traumatic experiences and re-traumatizing experiences. It's very easy to believe that this experience is real. And that's when we fall asleep. So during the crash, I kept falling asleep about money. And I kept falling asleep because I was allowing, I was being like traumatized by the television just constantly everywhere I went. And I don't usually, I don't usually like check in to the news or whatever the narrative that everyone else is freaking out about because it, it sucks me in and next thing I believe it's real. And um, at this point, I'm able to consume news about the collapse of the world because I was like prepared for the collapse of the world. And if I find myself starting to get triggered, I just back out of it for a little bit. But in 2008, I don't know why I just like bought in. And I think for like uh, six months before the crash, I had started trying to understand how manifestation works. So of course, then the crash happens. Manifestation around money. And I had so much poverty mentality to hack that it was actually helpful for me to be in a maximum triggered state during the crash. But I was living in this just trauma of the crash. You would have thought that I was fucking homeless. And I look back now and I'm like, everything was fine. But it felt so real. I mean, I did go pretty far into debt. Um, it was hard to get a job. I was on unemployment for a long time. I wasn't trying to get a job. My husband was, but we were fine. I was fine. I remember just crying. And I was also like had a baby during the crash and postpartum depression, anxiety did not help. But 
I was asleep. I fell asleep. This was the era in my life where I had, I like made 1111 because 1111 will wake you up sometimes. It'll snap you out of it. I had it written on shit. I had post-it notes. Wake up. Wake up, Jess. I was like constantly, I was having to wake myself up and remember this isn't real over and over and over again. 20 fucking times a day. And then that money stuff, poverty, lack would just come back. Now I know that if I'm just being tortured by a fear, I just go like, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? And then I can usually just like get out of it. Okay, I'm going to lose money. Okay, I'm going to be homeless. Okay, you've been homeless before. Who cares? I'm going to, this person's not going to like me. Okay, I mean, you'll survive, you know. What if everybody hates? Okay, then everyone hates you. Who cares? Next, next, you know, I can get out of it that way. In theory... Um, so the matrix is fun when you're crushing it and when you're awake, but there are certain parts of the matrix that you have to go to sleep to play. And one of the things that you have to go to sleep for is to process trauma. Because if you're processing trauma from a place of being awake, you're usually just kind of spiritually bypassing, right? Because when you are your most awake, you can just see everything from the higher dimensions and you're like, oh, I understand that person was working from their wounding, whatever. And you, we need to go down into the 3D and we need to process our experiences that hurt us. And what I think we're going to start healing to is can I say, okay, this person hurt me. This person was my vampire. This person was abusive. This person, you know, uh, broke my trust. And then not need them to be an external enemy. And this is something we will heal to. This isn't something we have to force ourselves to do. But this is something I've been thinking about a lot because I have been... Um, really indulging in the external enemy thing for about four months. I've been in some kind of ridiculous, energetic, just dance with people that don't like me. For f- It's just so weird. Uh, not my best work, for sure. And there was a reason that I got involved in it in the first place, and I think that reason was uh, unintentional, but then served a purpose. But the problem with indulging in an external enemy experience is anytime you're villainizing someone outside of you, and that doesn't mean that our experiences aren't true. And that doesn't mean that we don't need to do it. If someone sexually assaults you, you can't just be like, everything happens for a reason. You know, we have to go in it. We collectively have to right now be processing everything that happened from colonization and white supremacy and the patriarchy. And, you know, we've been processing shit for years and I am like, feel your feelings, let things run their course. I tend to jump in if there's drama, you know, the, the longer I'm on the planet, the more experiences I have, the less drama I, I can indulge in. Cause it's like, once you've already indulged in it, then you end up finding out that there was nuance and you see the other side or you end up playing that role for someone else and then you get it. There's just less things that get under your skin. But uh, the problem with indulging in an external enemy is that your, project, your projector gets pretty intense. So uh, once again, I can't recommend the book Tufti the Priestess enough for manifestation. It's a very short read. Some of it's really weird, but... It talks about like how we create reality and that we have an actual projector inside of us that like projects the reality that we experience. And I think this is where when we talk about you're projecting, 
I'm projecting right now. That projector is very powerful. And your power as a creator of your reality, our power as a creator of our reality, is in our ability to control the projections, right? And you can only control the movie. You can't control the script. And that projector can be something very powerful when we're doing this. But right now we're in this process where the manifestation of the old world, of the new world from the old world. So last week we talked about the cups. I told everyone how to do the two-cup method. And uh, Dan Donahue's here right now, poor guy. And he did the two-cups yesterday. And I was I was explaining that, like, okay, you have the first cup that is um, – I'm not going to do his, but like your first cup, which is that you're unemployed. And then the second cup, let's say, is making $60,000 a year as a as an artist. OK. The way that reality works is that what you're asking is you're asking the Matrix, which is a hologram, to take this movie about you being unemployed and turn it into a movie about you making $60,000 as an artist, but that transition is a movie in and of itself. So there has to be an arc that takes you from one to the other. So that's what happens. Now, a lot of people, when they're doing the two-cut method, they put no chaos. I lost everything. I did the two-cut method to, to change income streams and ended up losing everything. And um, I jokingly said I never... Say no chaos because I I think people some someone's watching this movie it should be entertaining, but collectively the reason that we're having an apocalypse right now is because we've been in a movie that's the patriarchy, white supremacy, unconsciousness, the reign of Christianity, the reign of capitalism, whatever, and we're trying to get to this communal reality that is everyone taking care of each other, age of Aquarius, holistic, you know, awake, whatever. And we are, we've done the two cups, right? We did the two cups. We, we asked for this time hop last year, and now we are in the movie about the transition from that reality to the next reality. So we are in the death of that reality. It's really not, it sucks, it sucks, but... It's really a movie about a transition of something beautiful. I don't remember what made me get into that. But um, so multiple things happen when we indulge in the external enemy thing. Or even when we need to dip down into our denser self to process something or to have an experience. There's nothing wrong with that. There should not be any shame or guilt about that. It's hard not to have shame or guilt about it. Um, so I'm saying that as I'm talking to myself. But a lot of times if you, if you pay attention to your experiences in life with other humans, a lot of times there is a, you're friends and then there's a dust up and something happens and then you're, you know, and then there's conflict and then, oh, this is the bad guy and then blah, blah, blah. And then more time, or, you know, or there's a breakup and it's like, they're bad. And then you realize I was bad. And then you like, blah, blah, blah. And then like a couple of years later, the entire thing's blown over and nobody gives a fuck about it anymore. But now this time, this person who did something wrong, this is really bad. And all of this stuff is just like, it's projection. 
It's the need for an external enemy. I have found in my life that my desire to find an external enemy is usually some sort of guilt or shame within myself. And I'm just trying to outrun it by pointing out who else is bad, more bad than me. So I try to stay conscious during this four months, but what are the fucking odds that uh, spending four months focusing on what's wrong with somebody else is, uh, is keeping me like, what are the odds I was awake for that? And you know, whatever, I guess a bit by a tick. So I just not, it's just not my best work. There just wasn't not my best four months. There were, there were beautiful parts of it and there were lots of highs among the lows, but I believe that I developed a little bit of emotional addiction during that time. So emotional addiction is happens a lot for people in toxic relationships. This is where we get we're getting so much like cortisol and um, what's the other one? Oxytocin, probably. We're getting so much adrenaline rush from conflict that we get addicted to it. We start seeking it out. So this used to be a toxic trait of mine in relationships. And it's funny that I'm in a great relationship, yet still, here we are. But when you're in a in a high-conflict situation, and sometimes there's just conflict, you know. I just, there was going to be conflict whether or not I participated in it in the last few months. But uh, I, got addi- like, I think I got addicted to it. I got addicted to it. And I, you hate it when you're in it. You're like, I'm not addicted to this. I fucking hate it. But you get addicted to it because it's a ride. It's a game. It's an energy exchange. And I think there's a good possibility that I did, you know, I did the right thing. I separated myself from it. I, you know, separated from the social media aspects of it. I separated from all of it. And I put myself in fucking timeout and I'm living by myself and um now i'm in some other form of fucking trauma and i don't think it's real i think there's a really fucking good chance that what the reality that i'm currently living in is not actually happening but i can like if i sat here and showed it to you i like i could point it out that it's real but like i don't think it is and that's a wild feeling and i have some clues now like i think everyone has their own set of clues once one clue is cortisol like when there's cor- when i'm like activated my body acts a very particular way i my heart is racing i feel like i'm having a panic attack the other thing is that p thing that i talked about a couple weeks ago on the episode it do- like that never happens unless i f- my abandonment wound is activated if i don't feel safe if i feel like i'm being left and then that like peeing thing happens gross i don't know why mine has to be so fucking gross so that's been happening for maybe 24 hours but definitely all day today which lets me know that like okay so i'm 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 in my childhood wounding right now and since i'm in my childhood wounding and there's cortisol for me when there's cortisol in my system which is a stress hormone nothing nothing is real like everything i think is happening is almost never happening very rarely does cortisol get released when i'm actually in danger and it feels in this energy i'm like well why isn't anyone just bailing me out you know i've really thought that i'm like why don't people just say the things that i need them to say so that i know that i'm okay 
And the reason that nobody can do that is because people have to play the role that you wrote for them. So if I decide that I need to be in, like, I'm in some fucking abandonment nightmare right now, I'm forcing people to play that role. Now, there's a possibility I, d- I am getting abandoned, and that's also okay. That's an okay thing. People, like, timelines split, people go their separate ways, and that's fine. That's not the same thing as what's, like, happening right now. And I'm, like, feel like I'm living in a nightmare. Typically, if you feel like you're living in a nightmare... If you feel the need to, that someone outside of you is doing something to you, you know, not that people don't do things and not that you shouldn't like remove yourself from certain situations, but these are things, these are, these are times where I have to say, am I asleep? Because when you're asleep, it's, it's the same thing as a dream. It's the same thing as being in a regular dream. It just, everything feels real. And I think we're going to find in the next year that we've all been living on extremely different timelines for a long time. And all of these enemies that we thought we had, all of these people that fucked us over, not to say anyone never fucked us over, but like how many things were misunderstandings. Do you ever like know two people and you're like, you listen to both sides of their story or you watch them have conflict with each other and you're like, I can see where both of these people are coming from. And they're just completely misunderstanding each other. That's because they're on two different timelines projecting shit. Obviously, none of the stuff I'm saying applies to like full on abuse or, you know, other issues of society. I'm not taking away from those. But I'm speaking to people who find themselves falling asleep. So I do know that astrologically, um, the experience I'm having is probably pretty on par with the energy right now. And I, when I found out we weren't going to do the astrology podcast, I was like, there were a couple things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about community building and my concerns and frustrations with my attempts thus far. And then I realized that I'm way too far into my own personal, probably projected hell, uh, to talk to anyone else about how to build a community. So we'll put a pin in that. I'm sure I'll be sanctimonious again by next week. The other thing I wanted to talk about was manifesting. I wanted to get a little bit further into manifesting stuff, which um, I do feel confident talking about because I am actively manifesting my childhood wounding right now. So I'm killing it. All right, so if we got this projector in our head, right, and it's creating... It's creating your reality within the matrix. So the matrix, I never understood when people talked about, they were just, I I know there's like a theory someone just wrote me about. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but holographic theory. I don't know any of that stuff, but the hologram thing never resonated because I was like reality's like the density of like the physical reality. I was just like, how's that a hologram? But in the last year I think I've realized oh and like synchronicities are the hologram a lot of times the hologram playing back with you like it's like a confirmation that you are creating this as you go along and the thing with the the matrix is once you get on like a good flow and you get it going it will give you whatever you want and ideally what happens is enough people wake up that we just jump this timeline. 
last September when I was getting all those 60 downloads, one of the things that I got was that in March of 2021, there would be a collective strike, I think as it was called, calculated strike maybe. But it would be that everyone brought their magic to the table in the same week. But a lot of that was timeline hoppers. And every, and we would all collectively hop to a higher timeline. And this might be practice for that because I'm getting so much about spend August hopping to your highest timeline. If a bunch of people are at a higher timeline, that pulls the collective to a higher timeline. <clears throat> but some of us are addicted, right? We're addicted because you can't. Nothing makes you feel more alive than living in the struggle and the pain and the trauma. And I'm not saying, I my voice is so deep right now. I'm not saying spiritually bypass, right? Like we come down here to process shit. But hopping to bring the, the collective. I don't know if that made sense at all. All right, anyway. I just, I always think how funny it would be if anyone ever saw my podcast notes. Sometimes I have to write podcast notes out if I'm going to do an episode by myself. And I just think how funny it would be for someone to read this thing that's just like stories, stealing the projector, cortisol, peeing myself. Um, so your stories are something that hijack the projector. So if you have an abandonment story and you're in a romantic relationship, it's not to make it sound like my thing my thing isn't that right now but I've experienced it in the relationship with Mark a couple of times and the cool thing about being with someone who's awake is I was able to go is this my story and he's like I mean I didn't want to say it but and I was like god fucking damn it and then he has also had to talk me out of the rafters a hundred times in 24 hours. And then finally, just now I texted him and was like, I'm fucking asleep. And he's like, yeah, no shit, bitch. Just kidding. He doesn't talk like that. But so this is why it's cool to have awake friends and people close to you so they can help you like wake up. Also, I do recognize that I've just never been alone in my life. I feel like I want to be alone all the time, but I think I like to be alone in like my bedroom while there's a living room full of people. I've always been married or had kids or fucking something and have spent very little time actually like I've never had my own house before. So I do have my own house now with nobody else in it. I'm sure soon my kids will come here, but they are with their father. And I think I might just be, you know, Having to face that fear of being alone that I swear I don't have. This might be a short episode. I don't know. I wanted to get this out. There's other things I want to talk about, but I don't know um, if I have it in me right now. Um, this is one reason that interdependence is so helpful because it's a quicker way to get out of external enemy things. Right? Because external when we have an external enemy, what we're doing is we're like, this person hurt me or this person's not meeting my need or this person's not whatever. And then we like try to, we do like build this entire case or whatever the fuck. But interdependence really like takes a ton of the gas out of that. Cause it's like, well, this, this, I'm like, I'm not this person's responsibility. This person doesn't owe me anything. This person's having their own experiences. Why am I making it about me? And depending on the situation, you know, once you know about in interdependence 
and about being an autonomous being responsible for your own feelings you really don't get to play in in the fantasy too long before you're like ah fucking goddamn it this is my shit i have to deal with my own shit so that's actually as cold as interdependent sounds it gets you out of the matrix quicker it gets you out of the dream um, okay, so one thing in manifestation that can also be true when your story, when you're trying to you're trying to prove your story. Do you ever like have a fight with your significant other and then you go to tell one of your friends? And I think venting's fine, but venting's another way to fall asleep. And you know, they don't immediately have your back or whatever. They don't they try to play devil's advocate, or maybe you are just being completely fucking ridiculous, and then you go nuts trying to convince them that, that this person's bad or that your your spouse is being a piece of shit or whatever the thing is. You're trying to prove you're trying to prove it. And like if you really pay attention when you're in that energy, you're probably moving the line and getting manipulative. I know I, I definitely have done that to where I just want uh, I want to prove that this person and when I say external enemies I'm talking about our, my, our, my mom you know I'm talking about like people close to us when we're saying that someone outside of us is the reason that we are dysregulated at the moment and not to say that real bad things don't happen and that we're not supposed to process that stuff I'm talking about getting stuck in it y'all have had a twin flame right have you ever just like dedicated your entire existence to analyzing the behavior of another person when it's actually just your own fucking fear of intimacy and you find that out like two years later you ever had an experience like that you ever uh projected your bullshit onto people around you and then convinced yourself that it was them when it was just you just your story your story got a hold of your you got triggered and then your story got a hold of the projector and now you live in this reality where something's wrong. You ever had somebody not like you and then rather than being like, hey, people are not allowed to like me, you know. Ah, you spend months and months and months living in a fucking hell created by that, trying to convince yourself that, you know, it's not your fault. And it's like, now I can look back and be like, well, yeah, I probably wouldn't like me either. Uh, I don't feel like this is making any sense. Anyway, similar to the external enemies, we do this when we're manifesting reality. So here are a couple. Imp here's how to create reality. Uh, do what we can to get past the part where we don't believe manifestation is real. That's a, that's a lot of early manifesting is treating it like it's some sort of sorcery when it just isn't. You're manifesting every minute of the day. The trick is fixing the programming that hijacks your manifestation. So if you were raised poor or in a marginalized society, it's you versus that programming. That's it. It's like it's chipping away at that programming. What we do is we go like, oh, is this, I got to do this manifestation thing and then boom. But it's like, yeah, how, how many obstacles, how many pieces of you believe that money has to be difficult? How many pieces of you believe that you're not working hard enough to get it? How many pieces of you believe that you can lose it at any second? How many pieces of you believe that you can only make money working for somebody else? Uh, how much fear do you have around money? How much shame do you have around spending money on yourself? You know. But there's another part of us that wants to prove that it won't work for us. And it's that's that same energy. Where When I talk to people who are trying to manifest, their heart, they want to manifest. They want to believe it's true. But then with their words and their mind, they're trying to convince me that it doesn't work for them. Not saying that you, ha like, you tried it and it didn't work, but it's like, yeah, but. You know, if you're saying, yeah, but. There's like a part of you that believes that it can't work for you. 
And manifesting reality is very little weird, just like senseless, positive thinking and talking. I don't, there are a couple people that that shit works for, but like most people that I know that manifest from like the same kind of place that I do, it's like, uh, I didn't get anything that I was trying to manifest during my, you know, um, I feel like I'm getting that stuff now, but during my like vision board phase or whatever, or like where I policed every negative thought that came into my head, what I found is acknowledging the potential of failure and really the set it and forget it is big, the not putting a time frame on it. What we do is we like do something like the, the two cup method. So I did the two cut method and I lost everything within three days. I've just been doing this long enough that I knew that was a confirmation that I was getting what I want because I'm like, well, we're going from the movie about me having these things to the movie about me having these things. So of course I lost these things. That, that's exactly how the movie would work. And I just kept my shit together for months. I didn't start to panic until right before it manifested, which is usually my pattern now. But other people, they're like, you know, or, or early in manifestation, I would say, you know, I tried to manifest a new job and instead I just lost my job, you know, or I would f I would get so swept up in the loss of the thing that I would completely forget that I had manifested this other thing. That's what happened to me during the crash. I was manifesting getting a house and I lost everything to get there. So pay attention to the part of you that wants to prove that it doesn't work. Or prove that it hasn't worked yet. You know, there should not be a time frame thing. It should be like, because this just is. This just is a video game that you're creating. So coming at it from the, I'm creating this reality. I'm going to figure out how to make that work for me. And recognize that there's programming to deal with. And tinkering to do. And experimentation. And come at it from a curious energy a playful energy, knowing that you are already playing the game. And if you listen to this podcast, then that means that you've had enough experiences with synchronicities or I don't know how the fuck you listen to this trash otherwise and magic that you know. But when we first start manifesting, we just think it's this much more. We first start consciously manifesting. We think it's this just like, like magical whatever and it's just like no it's literally how the video game works so you're you're in a game your brain is con your mind is controlling it already your mind is already controlling it your lack of abundance is being created by you now you were programmed from childhood to manifest things that are not in your best interest so and your your programming is informed by your trauma and your you know, childhood and whether or not you are, you know, part of society who was extra programmed to create things not in their best interest. Or programmed to believe that life is about survival and that survival is elusive and that we belong on a hamster wheel. And then we were programmed to believe that everyone who doesn't create something big for themselves is lazy or doesn't care or isn't isn't right isn't good so then on top of it you have a shame cycle spinning out and these are all like the wrong energies to create desperation's a difficult energy 
And the whole thing is weird and mysterious until you find those controls, and you really only find those controls through experimentation. I remember when I first realized that money wasn't real and we could create it, I found that out through synchronicities, but those synchronicities were coming in through magazines, and it was so abstract to me that I was... I, there were just straight-up ads in Wired magazine saying that money is free. And so I was calling, I was on meth, but I was calling these businesses and being like, can I have money? Like I was taking it so literal. It took me years and years, decades to figure out, oh, this is where those controls are. So, but we're in the window right now of time where it is easier and easier and easier. These things have been hacked so many times. All right, one thing about jumping timelines is that you are just moving your consciousness over to a timeline where that thing exists, right? So you're currently on a timeline where you're unemployed and you're just leaving that movie and going to the movie where you're working your dream job. And there, the universe has to create a transitional arc for that, right? But sometimes you hop to a timeline where you have this thing and some of your favorite characters from your last timeline, they're not on this timeline. And, you know, or other losses, whatever. And uh, that's why it's important for us to stop enmeshing, stop being so enmeshed. I fucking feel like such a hypocrite saying this right now. Uh, opening our hands up, letting other people come and go as they need to come and go. I am should be staring into a mirror wh while I say this. So like, uh, you know, none of the shit I'm saying, am I saying it from a place of having mastered it? I'm usually, I get inspiration for the podcast from just freshly fucking something up. So there's that. This is fucking ridiculous. I can't believe you guys listen to this shit. Knowing that this is the apocalypse should help you stay awake during the apocalypse. And that's, that's my purpose for talking about it, you know? It's painful, it's, it's scary, but knowing it's coming, you know? That's, that's the kind of manifestation. The biggest power you have is acknowledging all failure and, like, pre-processing it. It's like the beginning of this. I was, I don't know if I said it publicly, but I'll say it now. Be prepared for everyone you know, anyone you know, to step out of this game in the next few years. So parents, kids, whatever. There's a lot of people going to leave the planet. And that's scary and that makes us want to recoil. But then that attachment, that fear of death, it's just hopping to a different timeline, usually. I was talking to Dan earlier. He was telling me about a movie where people who commit suicide just go to a slightly shittier version of Earth. And then I was talking about how, you know, there are a lot of people that say when you kill yourself, you just go back to the same spot or you start the game over at a certain age. And I tried to kill myself twice after going to the big blue ball of light because I was trying to get, I was like, oh, I picked the wrong thing. You know, like I came back and everyone was asleep. I could see all this crazy shit and no one else could see it. I was like never lonelier. Everyone really, like I was popular before I died. And then when I came back, I was way nicer. But uh, I w nobody, like everyone was just tolerating me. And they were not impressed with the new Jessa. 
and um and I was nuts and I hated it and I was like I'm going back to the blue thing this sucks here and so I remember there being more but I don't remember them so I probably just exaggerated that there were more but there were at least two uh, suicide attempts that I remember vividly and the circumstances around the first one was I hung myself in the bathroom sorry this fucking anyway both of these attempts I don't want I don't know it's just fucking I feel weird it's just matter of fact like talking about suicide but both of these attempts should have worked and the circumstances around woke waking up like the first time I woke up I like hung myself in the bathroom and the thing that I hung myself with was missing. Like someone would have had to have broken into the bathroom to get me out. And I just woke up in my bed. And my roommates had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, what the fuck? And the other time I took a bottle of Klonopin. And maybe Klonopin doesn't kill you. I took so many Klonopins. And uh, I woke up three days later. And the person that was there was just like frustrated that I tried to kill myself. But I was like, how did I go to the bathroom? What is happening? And then I locked my, I had myself committed after that one. Um, anyway, now I'm like, dude, what if I die? I died on those timelines. I know I must've died on the, the blue ball of light timeline. And you just wake up in this fucking game in a different timeline. Crazy. Anyway, should I close on that? That's a bit much, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm probably asleep. It helps to talk about it. It's really helpful to be like, hey, I'm asleep. Um, try to stay awake. This is kind of rough energy for the next few days, I think. August is like, you know, better than September, but it's still 2020. So we just got to make it to January and then it'll be slightly less bad. Um, readings you know, whatever. I guess check the website all the time because I don't, in theory, I will put them up on Monday and Thursday, but half the time I don't know what the fuck day it is. So there's a couple up for next week, I think. And um, Imagination Project launches in 13 days or something so we're going to do a whole episode on that next week hopefully the astrologer i cannot wait to have this conversation uh patreon patreon.com backslash jessa reed forward slash maybe and uh yeah i'm gonna hurry up and put this out and then try to forget that it exists have a good night <laughs>